today is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him? And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. So my name is George. I'm one of the elders here at Pillar. And we are so glad that you are here to worship Jesus with us. <clears throat> and so, if you're new, um, we've been going through a sermon series called This is Who We Are, where we look at the fabric of who we are as a local church. Excuse me. <clears throat> and so, um, Vince, he introduced us to gospel culture and how the gospel infuse, is infused into every aspect of the local church, of who we are. And the faith that was once delivered to the saints is the same we see today, handed down from generation to generation through the faithful teaching and preaching of God's word. Ben graciously looked at community and how the gospel, how the gospel, it changes our lives and the beauty and human relationships as we come together to serve one another for each other's good and for the glory of God. And last week, Grant crafted the eloquent liturgy as we are reminded that our lives are a liturgy of worship. And this week, we'll look at Sabbath, and specifically Sabbath rest. But before we begin, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your kindness, your grace. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Because of you, our Lord, because of what you have done, we can rest in your finished work. Lord, we ask that you please open our hearts. May we see Jesus more clearly. May I point your people to you, O Lord, in your faithfulness. For those, Lord, whom you have not yet drawn to our Lord, we ask for your grace and your mercy. Please draw them to Jesus, Lord, for your glory, for the good of your people, Lord, that they may go with the redeemed and shout your praises. In Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Amen. So as, uh, as I was afforded the opportunity to get on the preaching calendar, um, that's a, what a great opportunity to serve my brothers that are usually on the preaching calendar and allow them to get some rest as well. Uh, nervous, for sure. So the uh, weighty things uh, stand up here and go through the text of scripture and you're like, man, Lord, don't strike me dead. <laughs> um, which is a good thing. Wouldn't ever want to get the text wrong, at least um, never intentionally do it, but uh, to turn God's people to him and remind you all of his faithfulness. But um, 
Yeah, nervous about uh, the text because as we look at the text, uh, I had to look at it as well. And I knew I was going to have to examine myself when it comes to Sabbath rest. And so, um, but uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that and how that went in a bit. Um, but before we begin, let's look and see if you can relate with some of these people. They knew this feeling all too well. Being inundated with unrelenting demands that weigh heavily on one's heart and spirit. Hurry seems to be the new normal. The pressure to perform throughout the week and even on Sunday. It creates a profound sense of burden as the responsibilities and expectations seem to multiply without respite. It feels like carrying an increasingly heavy load with no end in sight. As each new task is added, the weight of the existing responsibilities becomes more pronounced, leading to a sense of weariness and a sense of exhaustion. Another phone call, another text message, the constant pressure to meet ever-rising expectations create a deep-seated feeling of inadequacy and are overwhelming at times. Being continually tasked with more and more responsibilities evoke feelings of desperation and the need for relief. And as night falls, their presence at home becomes a fleeting dream. As evening dinner and family worship slip through their grasp like elusive mirages. The tender caress of goodnight kisses and praying together as a family, together with their spouses and their children, becomes a distant memory, a treasure and scone in the folds of time. And let's see if you can also relate with this individual. The weighty demands of a mother's role in her children's lives, pointing their children to Christ like a masterful, masterful gardener, tending to a delicate blossoms. She carries the weight of shaping and nurturing the hearts and minds of her children. Each day she is tasked with imparting wisdom, guidance, and the teachings of Christ, undertaking a labor of love that knows no end. In the midst of these wonderful yet weighty demands, she navigates the unceasing ebb and flow of never-ending tasks. From the tender hours of the morning, she embarks on a journey that unfolds into a symphony of teaching, comforting, disciplining, and modeling confession and forgiveness when her sin and theirs is on display. She labors over lesson plans, orchestrates learning experiences, and patiently seeks to rehearse the truth of the gospel into the soil of her children's tender hearts. Through moments of joy and moments of weariness, she remains resolute in her commitment walking alongside her children as they venture through the vast, wondrous landscape of learning, growth, and discovery. Pleading that the Father would draw her babies to Jesus. And lastly, the seemingly unbearable weight of a heartfelt sorrow as we prepare to embrace those we love for the last time in the side of glory. These are all reflections 
from the struggles of burdened souls. Just longing for rest. <clears throat> All right. As we look at God's word, our big idea is true Sabbath rest is found in Christ. And then also um, our two points or two sub points. It's rest is not found in keeping the law and rest in him. Our first point, rest is not found in keeping the law. So the Sabbath comes from a Hebrew word that means to cease or decease or cease. The Sabbath was a day when all ordinary work stopped. The scriptures relate that God gave his people the Sabbath as an opportunity to serve him and as a reminder of two great truths that we see in scripture, creation and redemption. So as we look at the text, verse 23, one Sabbath he was going through the grain fields and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And so leading up to where we are currently in the Gospel of Mark, there was a, there's been a steady increase in tension between Jesus and the Pharisees and the religious leaders of his day. <clears throat> Excuse me. In addition to the laws that God gave, the rabbis dedicated their lives, coming up with specific prohibitions to carefully guard the observance of the Sabbath day. These regulations, which were not explicitly stated in sacred texts, became just as crucial as the commandments themselves in their eyes and also in the eyes of the people. There were two prohibitions related to the Sabbath in particular. They were strictly enforced by the Jewish people. One of these was the restriction on traveling a certain distance, known as a Sabbath day journey, Sabbath day journey. According to the rabbis, this distance, this distance was equivalent to 1,999 paces, or about 800 meters or so. As long as one stayed within this limit, they were considered to be following the law. However, if they took one step beyond, they would be deemed a Sabbath breaker and had violated the sanctity of the day. It's likely that this was perhaps one of the things that they were calling the disciples out for. Here's another one that maybe is the case. Another rule established by the rabbis forbade any unnecessary labor on the Sabbath, including engaging in commerce beyond the permitted six days. This was seen as a transgression of God's law. Specifically, they prohibited the harvesting of crops on the Sabbath, considering it a form of reaping that violated the day. And so the Pharisees accused the disciples of breaking the Sabbath law by picking and breaking heads off of grain while walking through the fields. This action deemed as harvesting by the rabbis was considered a serious violation of God's law. <clears throat> and so we'll pick up here in the, the narrative. And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. 
Jesus' response to the Pharisees redirected their focus to the scriptures. And like a skilled lawyer, Jesus used previous instances as evidence to defend his disciples' actions. Yes, have you not read? The statement was meant to somewhat shame them as if to say, have you, the supposed experts of the law, never read your Bible? Have you not read the scriptures and remembered what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? He entered the house of God during the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the sacred bread. Do you recall this? He didn't say that, but that's what he's getting at. During David's time when he was a fugitive with King Saul, he gathered a group of followers, traveled with him throughout the various regions. These followers without proper shelter or food, and David's main concern was their health and survival. With no food available in sight, David came up with a plan to provide for his men's needs. He remembered that in the tabernacle there was a table of showbread with enough loaves to nourish his weary brand of brothers. Without hesitation, David entered the sacred sanctuary and took the showbread to feed his men who were on the brink of exhaustion. Jesus shared this story as an example because he understood that the rabbis and Pharisees held David in high regard as the legendary hero of Israel. As he proclaimed the arrival of the new kingdom, Jesus, he fulfilled the reign of David. Jesus, being the descendant of David, referred to a specific event from the Old Testament written in Holy Scripture to silence them. And so, <clears throat> looking at verse 27 and verse 28, and he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The central point of Jesus' message is found in his following statement, the Sabbath was created for man and not man for the Sabbath. This was a statement that was significant as Jesus was not condemning the Old Testament law. Instead, he was rebuking the man-made additions and interpretations of the religious leaders. In place where God had granted people freedom, the rabbis imposed burdensome restrictions. For instance, they deemed it a transgression to untie a knot using the justification of unnecessary labor. That's why we have natives for my son, because knots are not his friend, and so on Sunday that would be a difficult thing, needing to untie a knot. It was acceptably declared to sew a single stitch if a garment was torn and needed mending, but not two. On the Sabbath, it was permissible to write one letter, but not two. One task was considered effortless, but two was deemed laborious. In terms of medical care, you could assist individuals facing life-threatening situations on the Sabbath, but for any other medical issues, no. If someone had a dislocated shoulder, not today, it had to wait until after the Sabbath. <clears throat> if a structure collapsed and individuals were trapped beneath the debris, the stones could be cleared to search for survivors and provide immediate first aid for those 
in a critical condition. However, those who were able to wait until the next day, sorry, you have to wait till tomorrow. In the event that a person had already passed away, it was not permissible to move the body until after the Sabbath had passed as well. As time went on, successive groups of rabbis imposed additional limitations to the divine laws, leading to a mounting list of restrictions. So why do I labor this point? Why do we relate all these burdensome things? So that we feel the weight of the law and what so that we feel the late of those restrictions that the rabbis were trying to impose upon God's people, on those individuals, but also that we would examine ourselves. Oftentimes, we as Christians are, count, are given countless rules and regulations that have no connection to God's actual law. Similar to the Pharisees, we tend to establish our own rules that are easy to follow rather than obeying the more challenging ones that God has given us. Jesus rebuked the religious leaders for creating unnecessary laws that strayed from God's intentions. He reminded them that the Sabbath was meant to be a gift for rest and rejuvenation and not a strict burden on the people. Every week, one day in seven was to be devoted to rest and giving the land a break. However, the rabbinic traditions had distorted the purpose of the Sabbath, turning it into a cumbersome set of rules that people had to constantly watch themselves to avoid breaking. It was in that context that Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man. Man wasn't made for Sabbath. And he says, Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. At the beginning of our chapter, we see Jesus forgiving the sins of a man who was crippled. In doing so, he demonstrated his authority. He demonstrated his authority to forgive sins, claiming to be God. The religious leaders were filled with anger they recognized that only God had the power to forgive sins. By claiming this authority for himself, Jesus was boldly declaring his divinity, and once again, in this passage, he proclaimed, I want you to know that the Son of Man has not only the authority to forgive sins, but he is also the Lord of the Sabbath. What does Jesus' statement signify, and what does it mean for him to be the Lord of the Sabbath? Essentially, he was saying, I am the creator of the Sabbath. It is my gift, and I have the authority over all of it. And so, church, to take the weight off your shoulders and to tie this into our sermon series, our call is to submit to the creator of the Sabbath. If the Sabbath was made for man and was not intended to be a burden, are we making the Sabbath something that it was never meant to be? As a church, we are mindful as to what we add to the calendar 
And we encourage you to rest in him. Oswald Chambers once said, the busyness of things obscures our concentration on God. Never let a hurried lifestyle disturb the relationship of abiding in him. This is an easy thing to allow, but we must guard against it. We know that busyness is rampant. And it's something we have to combat. And so as a church, one way we do this is by not being program-centric. <clears throat> Knowing that the more programs we have, the more time it will take from the body. But rather, we encourage the communion of saints, getting together in missional communities, in fight clubs, for a cup of coffee, to encourage one another, to point each other to Jesus and his faithfulness, and correcting and rebuking one another whenever the time comes. Another way we encourage rest is to have work and rest rhythms. Having things on the church calendar for a season that for the laboring of the kingdom, but then clearing the calendar that things to, that do not promote rest for the souls of the church. <laughs> Having a season when our elementary teachers in the summer take a rest, come and gather to worship corporately with us and the children coming to gather as well. And so church, how is your soul? Are you resting in Christ and his finished work? Are you and I examining ourselves in light of the Sabbath being a gift to us by our Lord? Earlier I mentioned that I would have to examine myself in regards to Sabbath rest. And now I must confess that I often fall short of being consistent in my soul for rest. Busyness is always knocking at my door. There's always a temptation to get something accomplished rather than spending time with my Lord and abiding in Him. I have to establish the time to go home and worship with my family because the inclination to get things done rather than resting in my Lord is constant. While preparing for this sermon text, this hymn came to mind. Be still, my soul. The first lines go like this. Be still, my soul, the Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. And so may you be encouraged. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, and he provides Sabbath rest for us. Jesus became our rest when he did all the work necessary for our salvation. He fulfilled the law and the prophets. Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. We rest spiritually in him. He has secured our eternal blessing. May we turn from our silly attempts to justify ourselves before God and to make ourselves pleasing to him through our own efforts. 
And so we ask him to save and sustain us in his unwavering grace and help us to rest in the finished work of Christ on our behalf. Church, as we embrace the message of the gospel, we are set free, free from needing to keep the law for rest. By his grace, we can put to death hurry and self-reliance. The Sabbath provides us with a sacred space to pause, reflect, and realign our lives with God's purposes. One author calls people to the ruthless elimination of hurry and invites people to embrace a simpler, more meaningful way of living, one resting in Jesus. May we find rest for our weary souls, peace in the midst of chaos, and a renewed, a renewed joy in God's gift of Sabbath rest. Knowing that it is in Him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. And we could also say along with Paul, I am sure of this, that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And elsewhere, the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And when God truly has started that work, he will finish it. If Jesus made us his own, he will be faithful to keep us till the end. And so church, to all who are weary and need rest, to all who mourn and long for comfort, to all who sin and need a savior, be still and rest in the finished work of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your kindness your mercy and grace. Lord, we thank you for the gift of rest. Lord, we thank you, Father, for pursuing us when we were not worthy to be pursued, and we thank you that Jesus has finished it for us. May we be still and we examine ourselves and rest in you. In Jesus' name, Lord. Amen.